On the north side of Chicago It's the coolest bar in town And if you go up there You better just beware You're gonna find a bunch of clowns It's a mad, mad, crazy bar The whole damn place is just so bizarre Full of all the vice and sin where do we even begin? Tip your bartenders. <laughs> Greetings, everyone. Thanks for joining us on another week of As the Alehouse Turns. This is Pub Crawl Liz. And this is the genius. And a very sober <laughs> genius. <laughs> You're always mostly sober. Non, Non-hungover genius. I'm not hungover. Oh, really? Yeah, positive. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, we're going to get right to it today because we have not one, but two very special guests. And it's, it is a very unique situation because our two guests are Kevin from New Orleans and Buzzkill. And for those of you who read the blog, Bruce's blog, Geriatric Genius, it's A, they are characters, uh, in the blog because they're regulars, but also they are guest, uh, bloggers. Um, I don't even know what days they write anymore since the schedule was totally changed. Well, the new schedule is that um, I got Kevin, Kevin from New Orleans will be on Thursdays now, and then Buzzkill will be Fridays. Okay, so I'm Tuesday, and then you guys are Thursday, Friday. I'm Wednesday, Friday. I'm got Wednesday it. Got and then I'll do something Saturday, probably nostalgia, unless there's something big happens, right. and then we're going to all worship on Sunday. <laughs> yes. The, Keep the, holy. The ch- Where do you go to church, Bruce? Bruce? <laughs> um, You're in it. You know, I I, I I hate churches, and the reason I hate churches is simply because when I was a little kid living in Uppers Grove, I lived, and there was about five churches on my street. The big Methodist church was right behind me, and I would one day I could sleep. Nobody would fuck with me. It would be Sundays, and then all of a sudden, bang, bing, bong, and those bells would go off. Right. And then I had to beat the shit out of all the ministers' kids because they were all the little assholes. I love <laughs> and, and then the ch- and then the church um, got a peace bond against me. I couldn't go on their property. Oh, did that break your heart? Well, it, it was kind of an interest. Someday I'll tell the story about when. Um, I went to, was taken to court by the, the, the stupid little magistrate asswipe from down in Upper's Grove. And my father had this really, friend was a real big lawyer, he was Paul uh, Butler's lawyers. And he took all these little pea pebbles. I, was, I used to take baseball, a little broken baseball bat and hit rocks through the window of the <laughs> church. And um, so <laughs> the stupid cop that got me, was called him Bob, what he did was he came up behind me. For years they were trying to catch me. But a prick came up my driveway and caught me. So then I tell my dad and the lawyer, I said, there's just these little pea gravels down yard. How can I hit one of those 300 yards? It's impossible. So the lawyer, when we go to court, he throws all the pea gravel on the judge's desk. said, could that break a window? I loved it. I was, I was gee. I was, How old were you? I was about uh, 12. I like, I, I really dig churches, man. They're, they're, yeah. I love the craftsmanship. It's really great. I'm, op- art. I'm opening an actual piece of mail. Oh, my God. I think it's well, let a me, letter for us. While you're opening the mail, let me introduce Kevin from New Orleans. Kevin is an accomplished novelist, and um, he also is a... Money? He's also a journalist, and he, although he's a Californian, he uh, is currently 
raying out of uh, New Orleans, and we can't all wait to go out and see him. Every time we send a uh, nail house uh, visitor, he treats them very well. Who, yep. was it? Who, who sent you money? What, what, why do you have money? We'll talk about that a little later. Oh, boy. Liz just opened an envelope, and there was some money in a mysterious letter and inside. Letter and She's money. been getting a lot of letters. A whole $5. It's almost as much as a fucking stamp. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's Buzzkill, everybody. And, and, you know why we call him Buzzkill. And Buzzkill is a union carpenter. Retired. Whose body completely disintegrated about four or five years ago. Partly because he didn't keep working. You know, he tended to not work maybe like he should have. And so when he went to resume working, his body completely fell apart. It's a gift. If you don't move it, you lose it. And he used to make fun of, uh, we call him now Fancy Pants. Fancy Pants had, when he blew his condo and his severance pay and everything, he had to sell his condo and move out and live with his mom in Maywood. Buzzkill ended up now living with his mom, who's very nice, by the way. Her name's Kate. I've met his mother. She's a regular gal. That was uh, Rock and Roll <laughs> Ruth. She's pissed because she doesn't have headsets because we have. But anyway, what we have now is we have all four bloggers. Now, this has never happened, ever. No, and of course we don't. We did Ukraine Mike, who was a former blogger. He hosted a dinner for us back in. Jeez, what? No, it was a wonderful dinner. Mrs. Yeah, yeah, Mrs. Yeah. Clown, be, speaking of Clown. I don't even remember when that was. Clown was also last, a... Last year? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think when, though. It was the last year, yeah. About a year from now. It, Clown uh, was a former blogger, um, and um, but the pressure got to him. But at He's the, got a bad ticker, so I can see how that could be a problem. But at Ukraine Mike's blogger dinner, everyone showed up except for... I hope this guy's not working. Buzzkill. So. I got to check if this is. Oh boy. Somebody just no. walked in the bar and Bruce's antenna went up. No, I think this guy's a psycho. I mean, I, he, if it's a guy I think of, he's, he's not a bad guy, but he, do, he doesn't take his medicine. It's really bad. Do you, do you want me to go for a walk? No, no. no. <laughs> no we'll, um, we'll this guy just eye. came through the door and went back into the bathroom. Um, anyway, we'll keep an That's eye never on happened before. We'll, we'll keep an eye on this. <laughs> so um, the Ukraine Mike dinner, blogger dinner, uh, was almost complete, but not and, quite. And it was a nightmare because Buzzkill, in order to get him here tonight, I had to finesse him. I had to hold his hand. I had to, I had to sing sweet lullabies to him to get him to travel about, I would say, what, 20, 25 miles by train. Which, with promises, we'll get him home. Yeah, we'll get him home. We'll get him home. Well, I, I like that will. I like the plural. Of course. Does the does the podcast have a car service? Um, it does now. It has my cell phone. Oh. And it has your and your my, your Uber connection. Lift, yeah. Um, okay, so why don't you guys, in your own words, we'll stop talking, and tell us a little bit about yourselves. Um, I'm Kevin from New Orleans. I've lived there for 27 years. Uh, Grew up in the desert in California in a town which was originally going to be the uh, setting for Breaking Bad until they got uh, tax breaks from Albuquerque. That'll give you an idea of how special it was. Um, (laughs) The day after I graduated high school, I moved to Venice Beach, uh, which was cheap at that point. I've uh, been there. 
in, yeah, it's, it's a, a great interesting place. place. Yeah, I was like Bruce. It's a great I, place to people watch. It is. Like Bruce, I was in search of characters. And, well, um, you got a handful there, man. Absolutely. Um, quite, quite the inventory. And then I started college, and that did not suit my temperaments too well. And which college was that? It was UCLA. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I dropped out and didn't tell my parents for a year. Ooh. Yeah, uh, that was bad. Um, <laughs> and then I met a girl who was my neighbor who was from Chicago, and her name was Kathy Griffin. And she was doing comedy. Oh, that Kathy Griffin. That one. Before she was cutting heads off. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that when she had brown hair and a different nose. And... Um, <laughs> So I went with her to the comedy theater where she performed, and she said, you could do this, and I, you're funny. And I said, well, okay, if you want. So I started taking classes there and did comedy for two years at the, a company called The Groundlings, which is kind of like the second city of Los Angeles. Um, and I was in the Sunday company, which is kind of like the ETC, if you're from Chicago. Um, while I was freelancing in, uh, for newspapers, uh, somebody in the audience saw me, connected that with the byline, and offered me a job at the afternoon paper. And that's how long ago this was. We still had an afternoon paper in Los Angeles. And I took it. And that's what I've been doing ever since, is writing and, and uh, uh, mostly newspapers, a couple books, um, some research things. And uh, that's, that's my life right now. And you live in New Orleans, which is why you're Kevin from New Orleans. I'm Kevin from New Orleans, yeah. I've lived we, there. We still got to come up with a, with a quicker name. Oh, that's that. fine. That's fine. If you do initials, you sound like a white bitch. KF, let's see. KFO? Kevin? No. Someone suggested. Kano. Someone suggested Nola Kevin. No, I like Kevin for Nola. I mean, he gives us, you know, a little geographical, this, you know. I like that. Okay, so Kevin from New Orleans. Yeah. And you love this town, which is why you just come up randomly whenever you find a good. Airfare? Yep. There's three non-stops a day on Southwest into Midway. You can usually find a good bargain. Um, and it's just almost as cheap as staying in town. So I like to come up to Chicago a few times a year. Always end up my nights at the Ale House, uh, whatever I do during the day. This is always the final and best stop the first time I walked in here. I knew I was going to be a regular as much as I could. So how long have you been coming here? Uh, six, seven years, I guess. Okay. Yeah, he's been here for a while. Yeah. 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 It, awesome. Yeah. Um, I love Chicago. It has a lot in common with New Orleans. It has a lot different from New Orleans. But uh, both great music towns, both great food towns, both great character towns, um, and both rapidly getting more expensive by the day. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm thrilled to have Kevin as a guest blogger because he's really, he not only, I mean, I mean, I knew he's a, pro, uh, a professional writer, but he's really good, and he's yeah. ideal for you know. He doesn't get long-winded on the on the blogs. He like, does not. Like, like one of our like former, some, like some people used like, to, like our former Russian spy, <laughs> and um, who, by the way, brought. And last night he arrived back from the Ukraine. Oh, yeah. And he brought what we he called the Chernobyl duck, uh, stuffed <laughs> duck, but it's really like a grouse or something. I think like it's that. a grouse. I think it's a pigeon. Is it oh. radioactive? Well, that's what we assume. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all going to get poisoned and die. Well, I mean, after we, we if well, we you have, guys will, not me. I, if we're not immune have I by now, that that's buzzkill. If my, we're not my, immune, my, my, my Wait, you're blood, worried at this point. Would you? How many cigarettes oh, you put no, down I'm, here? I'm, uh, fuck no, I'm I'm indestructible. My blood is eighty proof. Well, you you might you might be somewhat indestructible in some places, but gonna, given at, it, at the end of the world, it's going to be me, Keith Richards, and cockroaches. And we're going to be the only ones left. Let's and not forget and, about Cher. And your current and your cane. 
and my cane. It's fun to watch him hobble around with that cane. I call I call her best. There's nothing funnier than watching someone that needs to walk with a cane. Am I right, guys? Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I I call her Betsy. Especially when he was he was working for a little while at Treasure Island doing what the hell were you doing over there? I was doing a deli and hot. Foods. I would always put her on my walks. I used to go in just to watch him hobble around back there with this cane. It was hilarious. Ay ay ay. Buzzkill, tell us about yourself. I'm a retired carpenter and I'm a drunkard. He's from, uh, well, from? Well, wait a second. He's actually from, you were from Hinsdale originally, weren't you? Yeah. And then he, he but his formative years were in Gary, Indiana. Uh, we, we uh, it was one, uh, the old man used to uh, work for uh, Who was US a real Steel. authentic Mick. He was a real Oh, Irishman. yeah? He was from Waterford. Oh. And uh, he had three brothers that worked in the uh, Waterford uh, Crystal Factory. And my mom has, you know, she's got, like, one-of-a-kind uh, stuff. You know, if they'd made something special, yeah. they'd throw another one on for Kay. Awesome. And, yeah, she's got some cool stuff that she uh, gave a lot of it away. But, uh, yeah, and then they, they moved the plant, and uh, they actually uh, put it on the property of my dad's uh, late sister, my Aunt Alice. And uh, they built another plant on her property, so... We have a, so at what age did your dad come over? Uh, he, he came here, well, he's the same age as Arthur. He was born in 25. He came here in 48 after the war. And a uh, typical immigrant, you know, he came in through New York. He had an uncle in New York. And if I heard that story once, I heard it a thousand fucking times. You know, I came to this country with $13 <laughs> in my pocket. <laughs> and look at where I am now, you fucking bum. You know, so... And I have to say, Buzzkill has the most impressive head of flowing white hair. It's kind of like a cross between Edgar Winter and Ben we Franklin. Call, it's call, amazing. Yeah, we my, call him Gay Ben Franklin. Yeah, my yeah my daughter came up with the Gay Ben Franklin, uh, which pretty fairly apt. Well, I like it. Although, he, in fairness, I mean, he's gone through a great deal of pussies the last, like, 20 years I've seen him here. Well, I, I like wearing my hair like this because it scares the fuck out of old white people. It does? It, it really does. Why? It terrifies old white people. Your long Well, they hair? just they don't know what to make of it. Do so they clutch their handbags and cross the street when you're coming by with that hair? Yeah. Yeah, yeah as a matter <laughs> of fact. Wow. You know? But for some odd reason, uh, if I'm in a store or something like that, uh, black women love it. I get compliments. I, well, not hit on, but I get compliments from black women. Yeah, I'll be standing well, in line. You don't pursue it? Are you, are you prejudiced against black women yeah, or something, yeah. man? I mean, you've got to go for it. Well, I remember. He, you, know, you know who he banged? He oh, banged um, he, he Steve's girlfriend. He banged Steve's girlfriend. Who? Well, I, I knew her like five, six, seven years I before think she he got, did. I think she got in his pocket, too. Steve who? Lawyer. That's boycotting because he pooped on the floor. <laughs> I don't think he's a nice guy. Back to poop we go. Did, did he shit on the floor in the bar, in the bathroom? He was uh, wearing uh, cargo. Uh, he was wearing too. cargo shorts. He oh didn't get to the God. bathroom quick enough. And poor Josh from the <laughs> little history Roll Museum. kind of slipped out of his uh, oh, pants. Boy. And so, you know, and everybody likes Steve. Of course, they don't like necessarily his girlfriend. But well, She got um, real sick after a while, and she was like, well, oh, she always looked like, well, you know, I thank God for the genius when uh, we were having a memorial for our, our late dear friend, Marky. 
And of course, she had to get up to the mic. No, it wasn't. No, it was for. Uh, no, it was Marky. Monk. Monk. No, no. No, well, she lived. No, with she them. did it both, Monk and Marky. But oh, the last okay. one was well, Marky. The Monk one was worse. And it's kind of like one of those things where, oh, okay, wasn't she great? And you just go up and like <laughs> and she's get her off because she'd be up there. It's like the Inagata de Vida of fucking, you know. She ain't no raconteur. No, no. <laughs> well, and she won't get off. So I always have to go, hey, a big hand for Kimberly. <laughs> you never do that if I was white. You know, that was the kind of shit. Oh, jeez. Um, before we leave this topic, I want to find out if anybody has shat anywhere else inappropriate in the bar. In you know, there's, there's, there's you always know, that possibility. But you know, there, really there, there was an interesting story on that pertaining to that subject. And that is that years ago, um, one of my all-time, I'm going in, in my uh, next book, Fraud and Deception, I'm going to describe this character, Chuck Lynch, who's just a fucking legendary. But Chuck got kicked out of the bar because he was he was making a phone call to some faraway place it was important he thought he was plus he was completely drunk so rather than go to the bathroom he said he, he was on the phone it was a, we used to have a pay phone in the corner right by the back stairs so he whips out his dick and takes a piss back there thinking nobody's going to know <laughs> well somebody spotted it and the, of all people that spotted it and ran it on him was Jimmy the Shooter Jimmy the Shooter was a black guy that was barred from the Saddle Club, which used to be a bar right down the street, for shitting in a booth. So Chuck thought the worst thing, I mean, can you imagine? I get kicked out because Jimmy the Shooter squeals on me? So, I, I, I wish I had a nickel for every uh, Chuck Lynch story I've heard oh over the God, years. I, yeah, I mean, this guy, I, I never met him. He was just before my time. But like, you know, Michael the electrician, he, he had a bunch of Chuck Lynch stories. I mean, he'd take the light bulb out of the men's room. This and, was in Figaro's when Arthur was the bartender in Figaro's. <laughs> and he'd take the light bulb out of the bathroom and say, hey, you need your light bulb in, in the bathroom. I'll change it for you. And he'd you know, buy me a beer for that. You know, it was just, I'll change <laughs> your light bulb for a fucking beer. We had a fellow in New Orleans who was, I think he's got to be dead now. This is before Hurricane Katrina. But he was barred from many bars. His name was Arthur. And he didn't work for Bell South, but he wore a Bell South um, telephone man's helmet around. It's just his look, I guess. You know, it's a good, good look, look. Yeah. style. Um, but what he would get caught doing was dipping his cup in the ice in any urinal that he could get. Oh, Jesus. Hold on. And That's interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, but then later on, he would, like, piss himself and then pretend it was an accident. He had this very strange obsession with urine in bars. Very um, much like our president. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Wait a minute. Maybe it's because I'm not fam horribly familiar with urinals, but what the hell is that all about? They put ice in there. I guess it kills the smell. Yeah. Yeah, it's like supposed that. to keep the well, stink it, down. It just keeps, and he used to well, use that ice, that ice to put in his glass? Yeah, he'd, he'd have half of his drink, and then he'd like scoop ice out of the urinal. See, to is, that, is, that New Orleans? is that New Orleans guy? Yeah, yeah. That sounds like New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, what we, in the hell? We don't get. Oh, well, they got. They they take perversion to a different level down there. <laughs> they certainly do. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But I can't go into a, a men's room with ice in the urinal without thinking about poor old Arthur. And I just came from Twin Anchors, and they had ice in the urinal there, and I thought of Arthur. So. Huh. Wow, you guys are gross. Well, I well, mean, I don't. We, we have I don't, ice in the urinals. Just to I don't keep play you. with urinal ice. Well, you, no, but that back means, in the day, Reuben used to demand it. You put ice in the urinal? That was like one of his demands. When, when he was still Reuben Reuben, when he had two functioning, reasonably well, functioning legs. he was still Reuben even when he only had four toes. Yeah. Why would he demand it? Because he was just, 
He was a little fastidious he was a about prick. something. <laughs> yeah, you know, before Ruben he, liked being a prick. Before, well, he was. He turned us into the health inspector once when uh, one of our bartenders had a cold. And his sister is with the health department. And then he also turned us in because so well, he, they were tuck pointing on this side of the building, and something fell on his head or was doing a smoky or something. He he turned us in. And then he what confessed. the hell's wrong with that guy? He confessed. He was Reuben. Yeah. Well, I, I know Reuben, but... Well, I tell you what. You know, this is the first night I, I, I've seen Johnny L in quite some time, but uh, when Johnny was a, a bit of a fledgling here when he first started, you know, Reuben always abused new bartenders. Well, he abused everybody. He abused really. old ones, too. You know, but, uh, you know, the, the, day, the day Reuben got barred while B was still alive... And he, he's he's just you know it's just Reuben being Reuben, but to the untrained eye, you know he's like give me a bar. Uh, he says like uh, give me a beer, bitch. <laughs> Johnny Johnny finally stood up for him and says fuck you. And he fucking went off and started shouting and screaming and ran. Give me my fucking tab. And then he calls uh, Beatrice a kike and you know all this and it's like yeah, he, he began, did you, you say know, a dyke or a kike? Kike. And, and no, he because kike, bitch. because he was Mexican, he felt he could um, use the N word <laughs> and, and insult Jews because he was a minority. He felt that he had minority. So he had the entitlement. But now, he, so Beatrice after that, well, she's like she, screaming, Bruce. Do what she, you got to do. She barred him for life, but it turns out for her life. <laughs> <laughs> because as soon as she died, Toby went down to Burton Place and said, you can come back, Ruben, but behave. But that's when we put him on the no shot. Well, actually, be, before Beatrice's body was cold, she, <laughs> you know, Ruben was like, you know, can I get back in? And Bruce did actually, well, you made him serve, what, another 30 days or something, right? Well, no, he came right back and did something real bad. Like, the second day he and was... then he had to do 30 <laughs> days. So I had to give him 30. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I gave him 30 and no shots. I think that was it. <laughs> so, Buzzkill, how long have you been coming to the alehouse? Uh, uh, 19 years. Um, and how did you come across the bar? Were you hanging was, out in the neighborhood? It was a bitch. Uh, well, yeah, I used to... Uh, have a, a studio, a convertible studio across from the Moody in this historical building. I used to go to the last act, which was around the corner. But I saw this place, and if you you know if you look at some of the pictures and how old, and I mean, it just looked like a dark, scary, foreboding place, which is my kind of place. And I walked in, and it was you know. Well, you were drinking that. You were sight. drinking down the street. First. Well, I was going up and down. I, I, would, I would go everywhere. I mean, and you know, the funny thing is, you know, with Old Town in those days, I mean, you can go from the last act to the Ale House to Burton's to Fireplace to Hobo's, and you see the same people because everybody was bouncing around, but everybody would end up here at, at the end of the day. So for like the first year or so, I used to shoot pool with these guys uh, over at the last act and then come over here. And this one day when I was a carpenter, I was on the window program. There was a rain out, so I got off work early and I came back to the neighborhood. I got here about 11 or so. And the last act didn't open until like 2.30 or 3. So I, I walked over here and uh, 
Chrissy B, who's the bartender here, and uh, Vince was here. There's only the three of us in the joint. Her nickname was Chrissy Vomit. Well, God, was she I, I one of the most blood ugly broads I've ever seen. About. I mean, I wasn't, she, she wasn't like a punk named Chrissy Vomit, like Sid Vicious. She was just... If only she had that much class. Oh, okay. She, she weighed about 72 pounds soaking wet. Okay. But her, her uh, boyfriend... 72 pounds of dried vomit. Her, her, her boyfriend, Vince, was from uh, Brooklyn or the Bronx or something. He... he well, he told me he did, uh, you know, gold gloves, gloves. gold gloves, gold gloves, gold But gloves. he had the accent. He had this mustache. He looked like a Mario Brothers on steroids. He was like kind of balding. He was, you know, a couple years older than me. He used to have they used to have these great barbecues at their uh, place uh, over on North Park. For some strange reason, I was never invited. You were there. I showed up once. In the, in the, no, you were there three times no. because because you were there at Toby and that one time uh, Grasshopper. When he worked at Burr Hops, he brought over those lobsters, and it was you, Toby, being art. Yeah. Okay. All right. No. No. Enough about the old married couple. Enough about those boring people. God, they were boring. <laughs> but but they were they would take over that corner, and then they got a fucking dog. It's big, oh, stupid ass dog. The dog used Zoe. to give fucking Hank a heart attack. And they'd put a dog up in the window, and nobody could sit there because it was an asshole, stupid dog. Well, the but dog Beatrice would always bark dogs. at, you'd look out the window, it'd bark at dogs coming by, and it would always bark at black people walking by. For I mean, some reason, the dog didn't like black people. asshole dog, and asshole people, and the whole crowd, and they were losing, I mean... And then it bit little Sarah. Well, it bit her dog, and her. Well, yeah, but so it was going for the dog. So I was able to get a barn. I did a painting of that. Yeah. Oh, I, I know that yeah, painting. Yeah. yeah now the it makes dog sense. looks like a fucking, you know, like something Cujo. Spielberg would come up <laughs> with, you know, these giant fangs. That's exactly and shit. what you're talking about now. Oh, well, 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 Kevin. Full circle. Kevin inspires. Well, we, we're pretty late. We close at five on Saturday, but four right. other nights. But down in New Orleans, they're open all night, right? Yeah, 24 7. 20, I can't. Ooh, wow. Yeah, a lot of bars have happy hour, like in the wee hours, then in the afternoon again. So And they allow happy hours, too. Well, but is, that, oh, yeah. is that limited to the French Quarter? No. No. It's 20, everywhere. 24-7 if they want to keep open. Yeah. But the trick is you got to go there with someone that enjoys that. Yeah. Not someone well, that clear, says... Well, clearly people not, not, enjoy don't, it. Don't ever go there with someone that says, honey, I think you had enough. We should go back to the hotel. I think at some point we should uh, have a ale house group head down to New Orleans. A pub crawl, Liz, Liz do a pub crawl? Yeah, and then we could do a podcast there, too. I'd be glad to set that up. Y'all could take the Amtrak down and have a car to yourself. That would be and, fun. And we'll sing, go into the city of New Orleans. And you know, you know what? Maybe, you can yeah. agree, maybe you'd agree with me, but Bur- Bourbon Street is the worst street. The other streets are great. Bourbon Street is where you see the 58-year-olds from Lincoln, Nebraska getting hammered. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really, it's, it's not fun. It's, it's no, it's an not fun, sight. although when you cross Bourbon Street, when you're going through the quarter, there's no schadenfreude like watching a 23-year-old Chad and Trixie, and he's holding her hair back while she pukes <laughs> in the gutter all over her little cute outfit she bought, yeah. and he's looking mortified, and she's saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you all know about Chad and Becky. They come in here on the weekend a lot. I know. I don't think there's a lot of Chad and Becky's. There's been a yeah. I mean, like Friday night is all yeah, Chad Friday, and Becky. Friday night. Friday and Saturday nights. Yeah. Not Saturdays are better. Fridays are bad. Yeah. Are worse. Fridays are better. Yeah. So, um, but I applaud your. Uh, it's a great business model because they pay for the fucking bar, man. It's, it's well, smart. Well, yeah, but yeah, I mean, yes. Well, the rule the, the rule of thumb is the date. 
It used to be the day drinkers. They pay the bills and night people. That's that's the profit. Oh, that's yeah. the great. Yeah, day. Hard, not day anymore, people, hard day people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it used to be you, you you couldn't get a bar stool here at, at four thirty. Really? It was packed. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a different. Who? Crowd. What kind of crowd was that? Uh, yeah, tradesmen were, but there was a lot of work going on around the neighborhood, or, or at least so, like nearby. construction. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, historically, the factory alehouse. guys, uh, industry people, and and shit. But I mean, you know, I, I would like bust the nut to get here just to you know catch and, final and, jeopardy, and but sometimes you had to stand. I mean, it wow. Was, the, the original alehouse. Would, or forget the original ale. I mean, yeah, there had dramatic change of customers from the after work crowd, and then the the kind of um, the more sophisticated uh, yuppies. Uh, no, 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 no. These were artists and and uh, musicians, and when when it was across the street, no, no, not not. Oh, those days, yeah. Very very little yuppie. So it did change, but then when Arthur. God, that moved when the fire and it moved over here. That it was, was what, that it, was what seventy two. So yeah, let's explain. The bar like used to be located across the street. Where the, hard, where the hardware store used to be. They tore down. Yeah. The so it used to be a four are you, story. Are you smashing this fucking no, asshole cane or what the hell? I'm trying oh, to fucking do it. What you think this is fucking easy? Why are you making noise? Why like are you that? treating Betsy so poorly? What are you doing? Well, I'm a making just to let you know, Buzzkill's cane is annoying, Bruce. Well, it's it's entangled up in wires and it's smashing right next to me. You know, a hummingbird could fly in here and it would but, fucking annoy me. But the, inter- the interesting <laughs> thing, a hummingbird would annoy me if it came. Yeah, fucking buzzing little if, fucker. If, if um, in the old days, this bar was amazing because it would change completely by in two hours. For a while, it would be after work, kind of, um, you know, just blue collar people. And then at a certain time at night, for two, three hours, it would be like, it looked like the, the project's Green Green Gang Night. They'd be like, um, for two or three hours, it'd be all rough, really mean, tough black guys. Then that would disappear, and then you get the jazz people would come in, and then you get the people, the the industry people would close the bar from all the other bars. Well, it reminded me a lot of like like East Chicago and Gary bars. You can be sitting next to a tradesman. Yeah. Next to him was a hustler and a second story man. Next to him was a captain of industry. Next to him was a fucking pimp or something. I mean, he just. I mean, yeah, but it was every I, every every shade of humanity was you know, within five stools of you. I think that is definitely a characteristic characteristic that is very Chicago and very Chicago neighborhood tavern. Well, it's it's a I would probably say Rust Belt, but yeah, you're you're right. No, I think, I think it's great. Every, every party needs a good mix of people. You know. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. So wait well, a minute, real quick, so that people who don't know, because new listeners or new people who are just being exposed to the Ale House, um, the Ale House again was located across the street, and then it burned. And yes. what year was that? I think it was around seventy. It used to be a four-story so. building, and the top floor burned, and they saved the rest of the building. There's there's a picture of it uh, so, somewhere. So uh, the Ale House is on the corner of North Avenue and Wheeland Street. And it's on the east side uh, of Wheeland. So the bar used to be across the street on the west side. Correct. And then they literally, you told me they literally moved the whole bar. Yeah. Um, Arthur this this got, used to be uh, an old uh, German butcher shop. Yeah. Arthur got about 30 drunks. And they just lifted because they there was they no drunk? way... At the time, I'm sure they weren't going to do it. They were going to do it for <laughs> free. Is that even a question? They had to get they had to get some some booze. 
So what they did was, because nobody can disassemble the bar. It's a great big long bar. I don't know. How long is that? Like, it's like 20 feet, 25 oh, that's feet. More, yeah, I think. Anyway, so the only way they could get it in here was to carry it out in the middle of North Avenue, block traffic. So they got all these drunks holding a bar out in the middle of the street, blocking traffic. <laughs> and they walked it back in and set it down, and bam, they practically didn't miss a beat. And uh, after the move, they never went back. They were like, why bother? Uh, no. And then everybody laughed at being art. The building went condo, thank God. If there was a God, thank Satan. Um, it went condo, and everybody laughed. Hey, a bar, condo? So the bar, you know, we have the bar, we have the basement. But that saved it. Because, I mean, there's no way this bar can function paying a $15,000 a month rent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that saved everything. It was just pure fluke. And fortunately, Beatrice was around because she had bought everybody else by that but time. Didn't, didn't Arthur have, he didn't he, uh, early days, didn't he have a, a place upstairs? No. I thought never, he had never an here. apartment for a little while. No, it was down above O'Rourke's. Oh, that's right. That's where he was. So who lives upstairs now? Uh, Harry Potter. Um, yeah, well, there's a very nice woman on the top floor. A guy uh, named Marilyn. A, she's, a, guy she's named, cool. a guy named Giuseppe who is moving, relocating. He's a banker to Singapore. So that's just kind of in limbo right now. And then a couple of kiddie architects uh, right above us. Kitty architects? Well, well he's, they, he's English, and I call him Harry Potter. He wears purposely these like crazy-ass clothes, very yeah, colorful. He does wear, very and he's got these clothes. big round glasses, and he's English, so I just always called him Harry Potter. But, but they, um, they used to bitch about noise, but they don't do it anymore. They used to bitch about smoke, too. Yeah. How do, you, how do you live above a bar and then bitch about noise and smoke? Well, yeah, exactly. Because you're a moron. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, about noise even. Yeah. You know, that's, Come on. Yeah, I know. Well, what, you, what, is, is there ever been in New Orleans a movement to maybe have t- closing times or anything like that? Uh, they bring it up every once in a while, but uh, no, there's no real... There's no room. The bar owners like it. The, the people that live there like it. The people that are coming there expect it. So at least in New Orleans, the religious right doesn't have any muscle anymore. Well, that's or? not really their area. No, no. It's that. They, they come down from Mardi Gras and then Southern Decadence, which is like pride <laughs> down there, and have the signs about, you know, that's it, Satan's unholy cock going up your ass or whatever, and everybody laughs at them. Oh, but this was good. About 10 years ago, the one guy that was horrible at uh, Southern Decadence really gave the gays and lesbians a hard time. Is that an annual? event? Yeah, yeah. Um, t- hundreds of thousands of people. He got caught in a park in the suburbs diddling himself in the car Naturally. while the kids were playing on a playground. <laughs> of course. And uh, all, all in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And I got to cover it. It was one of the best stories. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember, I think it was Pat Robertson or Falwell, one of those complete one of those religious assholes. After Katrina... He said it was a judgment from God because of their 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 horrible, it's uh, horrible homosexual. Uh, so so, but get some, somebody pointed out. Interesting, you say that asshole because the only place it was spared was um, the French Quarter. Right. 
Yeah, we have long memories there, and uh, Dennis Hastert was also one that said that the play should be bulldozed, and oh boy, when he went down for grabbing those great? wrestlers. Wasn't that great? <laughs> I had the schadenfreude of watching him get in a wheelchair and go in there like, oh, you oh, poor son kind of, of a bitch. Kind of brings a whole new definition I, to I, the Hastert world. You know, yeah. one of these days, i got to make a road trip, just go down, find out where he, just to see him so I could make fun of that shit. How, ever, how has have, America forgotten that the Speaker of the House yeah. in our lifetimes have was ever been Kitty Diddler? Have you ever been to Yorkville? <laughs> I've been to, probably it's like somewhere a in the fucking area. Shithole. I mean, it's like a nine wedge. I know, you but there, a nine wedge. Yeah, but wouldn't it, you know, see if if I, if I was newspaper editor, I would send reporters down. What the fuck's going on with that perv? I want to know more. Make him pun- We gotta punish him one more time. Where's Bob Green when you need him? Oh yeah, Bob. He's, t- yeah, he's probably trying to with that fucking wig. God, you Johnny Deadline. Johnny Deadline. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Deadline. That fucking Bob Green. Talk that that about book the- he wrote about Jordan was. Ugh. I, I, I don't even no, know you're talking about you're talking about who are you talking about? Bob Green, that dickhead from the Tribune. Yeah, but he hasn't written anything for. No, years. because no. he's a fucking he's. Let's just say in the age well, of Me bang, Too, was, Bob Green would not be getting very far in life. Well, he was banging his, what, his babysitter or something? Yeah. No, no. I well, like a 15-year-old babysitter? Well, he, he, there was something like that. But he wouldn't come in here. His pal, Paul Galloway, used to come in here all the time. And that was his only pal. He had no pals. He was totally hated by everyone. But um, he was afraid somebody would grab his wig. <laughs> trying to pull his wig off. Oh, yeah. The helmet. They called it the helmet. It was like this fucking thing. <laughs> it was worse than Marv Alpert's. That, that's you bad. Could tell. Yeah. Yeah. It's you bad. could tell from the picture in the in the paper. Oh, you could tell. It was yeah. just yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um I, I knew got- so, I knew some broad name. What was her name? Susan. She was fucking so fucking him for years. She was also fucking a guy. Let me just say his name sounds very much like Dan Webb. <laughs> you know, Dan and Webb always remind me of uh, Jim Carrey's character, she, Fire Marshal. Did Bo. you ever see an uglier fucking guy? Oh, man. He looks, like, he looks like a burn victim. I, I met mean. him a couple of times. Anyway, um, he... So Green is this chick's Sue. Sue. So those were her primary fucks. And um, she said... So she tells me one night she's completely drunk. She hung around with a broad who worked over at Lincoln Park Zoo in PR. And she told me that um, that uh, she'd been fucking green for like five, ten years. Never once did she see him with his helmet off. Not once. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, you got to be, I mean, that's so, be so, so much for the shower in the morning. I yeah, mean, I mean, yeah, hygiene. Oh, God. I wonder what he did if she reached up to like ruffle his hair in a moment of passion. Uh, well, first you have to. I'd love to. Hear first you, you have to have a moment of passion. This is slightly yeah. nauseating talking about Bob Green's sex yeah. life. Yeah, I got a story about okay. a wig in a bar. Okay. If you want. <laughs> okay. I know. Um, um, one of the, I, I've written on the blog about La Roundup, which was the craziest bar in New Orleans while it existed. Um, and my friend Dan was in there one night and witnessed a fight between two. Um, I, I'm not sure if they were trans or if they were just drag queens or whatever, but they were hookers, and they got in a huge fight across the bar, and one of them grabbed her wig and chucked it across the bar at the other one. I don't know why. It's not like a brick. It's not going to hurt you. The other one took her lighter, flamed it up, and threw it back across the (laughs) bar like the Wicked Witch and the Wizard of Oz. Man, I wish I'd been there to see that. That'd be a good video. Oh, yeah. In fact, that'd be a good scene in a movie. That sounds like something from, like, Poe, like the Raven. He was right back at you. Um, I want to talk about something really important. Wow. Your, your hangover? And that's the Almond Brothers. 
Gentlemen brothers? Yeah. Let's go there. Let's give let's give let's a little background there. information. Let's go there. Buzzkill, why well, don't you give us the rundown? Well, can I just say one thing before what? we go? Because I'm not really an expert other than I know. I know. Do you I know. think the Allman Brothers are, aren't you? Yes, Well, I he do. knows the Dickie Betts uh, story. Well, no, I know that one, but I also know Greg Allman's <laughs> all-time number one. She's friends with me on Facebook, Facebook, uh, um, named Tina. Tina was um, a Hall of Fame groupie. She used to hang around with, come out and visit Car- Carmela Skaggs. But... Um, Greg Allman, here's all, and by the way, Boz said that Dwayne Allman was really a cool guy. Never heard anybody say, other than Tina, that Greg Everybody was Everybody loved uh, Dwayne Allman. But, but uh, he's the guy, the way he beat his cocaine uh, indictment was bratting out mm-hmm. on one of their roadies. That, yep. that, that was Greg. That was yeah, Greg. That was yeah. Greg. No, yeah. I'm saying yeah. Dwayne. Yeah. I never heard anything bad about Dwayne. No, Greg was like freaking out in the holding cell when they first got busted, and Dwayne was like, you know, chill the fuck out. This will all go away. But Greg couldn't handle it. No, he ran. I mean, you can't. Come on. And then the guy, it was a very kind of hapless. I mean, so he kind of has to do like four or five because of fucking Greg Allman. Yeah. Fuck him. Yeah. Yeah, I've not He had to get down to Malibu to fuck Cher. Yeah, and Tina said to you, I'm, I was fucking him the whole time he was fucking chair. <laughs> um, one of you two gentlemen want to give us just a quick little rundown on why I brought up the Almond Brothers? Well, uh, I, was, I just uh, uh, did a kind of a tongue-in-cheek reply to a, a blog that uh, Kevin did. Uh, uh, I don't care for him so much. So Kevin wrote this piece where he well, was like, I, I, he doesn't I, like the Almond Brothers. You know, I... I Respect Kevin's writing and you know what he did. Uh, that was as I wrote it, like cross line because you know, for me, being you know, in the Rust Belt union man and factory stuff, I mean, the Allman Brothers is not a dive bar you can go into or a working man's bar where the, the Allman Brothers don't rule. I mean, yeah, the, the, right. you know, that's. You know, not just blues, but Allman Brothers blues. My favorite Allman yeah. Brothers blues song is Rat the Roadie. Rat out the roadie. That's my favorite. Yeah. What, you just add that go, to your go, album. Go tell Aunt Roadie? What did you just say? Something. Very oh, okay. Similar. okay. Go, rant, go rant on Aunt Roadie. Oh, go rant, go rant on We're going to have Rody. to add that title to your album. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Tribute to Buzzkill. So one of the things that's kind of fun, being a blogger, uh on uh, Bruce's blog is that every now and then somebody will write something and then somebody will kind of follow it up and then you can just kind of have this really neat synergy so when you commented about the Allman Brothers buzzkill um, replied to Kevin I felt that I just wanted to keep that going and so basically what came out of it was that both buzzkill and I are Allman Brothers fans good for you yeah and because of exactly what you said, there's no sort I, of... I feel we should be passing bubblegum around right now. What is with you in the bubblegum? Because I mean, he's a moron. No, he, he doesn't no. know anything about fucking no, music bu- unless bu- it's gum. classical. Bu- 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 bubblegum. Bruce knows classical. Outside of that, he's Rock a and fucking Rock and Roll Ruth moron. is giving this, like, huge thumbs, thumbs up, up here. He doesn't know shit about Agreed. fucking music. Agreed. I mean, you know what he was singing when him and Ruth came in today? I swear to Christ. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. <laughs> Okay, so he was literally, I swear to Christ, uh, gentleman Lee is over there, he'll witness it. Twinkle, Kim will, twinkle, exactly. little that, that's what he was, Why are you saying that? I prefer because that I, to the Almond Brothers. I'll tell you why. <laughs> we were walking down, Ruth and I got out of the car, 
and there's two hot, hot-looking bras pushing baby carriages down the street with little kids, and they're singing "Twinkle, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star" to the kids. So I, of course, joined in, and the little kids looked, you know, out of their little strollers, like. And oh when I think of Bruce, I think of nothing more than singing to random children on yeah, the street that he passes. It's really part but of. But you his think nature. after a quarter of a block, he'd like lose the song? Oh, no, but no, he comes in the fucking it. bar singing "Twinkle, Twinkle, yeah, Little Star." It's like, what the well, fuck? If he wasn't gonna be singing that, he'd be singing the theme song to this podcast. I'll yeah. tell you that. He loves. He loves That's that right. song. Well, he's got a lovely voice. He just couldn't oh. carry a tune. Well, it had we a all know what it. happened to my voice when in Juilliard when I saved the orphan. So <laughs> it's let's think I've done that painful world. So I, why, whenever I talk about a band or going to a concert, why do you refer to bubblegum? Because it's juvenile. Because he's a moron. It's, it's, it's infidel. I don't understand it. And by the way, he doesn't know music. By the way, Kevin is from New Orleans, where they play real music down there. There is real music in New Orleans, and I think Kevin probably gets spoiled by hearing real fucking music. We have real music here. Yeah, they have great music in Chicago. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we do. We're just not talking about the the goddamn Almond Brothers. Well, in my blog, you know, some of the comparisons between Chicago and New Orleans is, you know, music... Culture, architecture, food, uh, food, and both cities smell bad on a fucking hot day. Yep. You, you know what you hear the Almond Brothers? You hear them make cub bars. This explains everything. Oh, no, Jesus. you don't. Oh, here we go. Oh. Here we go. That's what so, we're talking about. Buzzkill Let's just and come I, right out and say Buzzkill it. and I are giant Cubs fans. Well, the uh, genius I, I, hates them. I'm, I'm going to... I'm, gonna, I'm uh, agnostic I, I, on the Cubs, Liz. Oh, okay. Well, right. I, I'm, I'm gonna, not an agnostic. I, I, like, <laughs> no, I like to separate myself as a Cub fan from Cub fans because... In fact, I was talking... You can't do that. Yes, I can. Oh, you're like no. those people that are trying okay. to split themselves and off from Donald no, no. Trump is what you are. No, no. You're trying to say, no, no. oh, I don't, I don't agree with all his policies. Well, I mean, I voted for the guy, but I don't agree yeah. with his first, policies. First of all, when the Ricketts, when the Ricketts took analogy. over, I kind of boycotted him for like a year, but... Kind of. Um, it was, actually, I was in here yesterday, and it occurred to me when I was talking to uh, Justin. Uh, and, you know, the, what, what we... There was a lot of stuff edited from our discussion with Anthony Bourdain at, at Topo Gijos when we were talking Cubs versus. So Sox. let's let's give everyone background because a lot of people don't know. Uh, Buzzkill was featured in the uh, Bourdain Parts yeah. Unknown Chicago episode. But uh, I, I was actually uh, a stand-in because uh, Jerry was the one that was supposed to. Yeah, really, he, he had to do it. He didn't want to do it. So no, I, he had a funeral. Yeah, so I, I, I stepped in. Okay, on but that. nonetheless, but you were there. Many stories of the understudy coming on and overshining yeah. the storm, People, my friend. <laughs> for any of you who've wish, seen I that pro- episode of Parts Unknown, then you will recognize Buzzkill. Yeah. Um, and they were sitting at uh, the Italian restaurant down the street, um, yeah. so and it, it Bruce and Buzzkill were debating this issue. But, you know, by the time it came to, to production, I mean, it was like four minutes, but it was actually like a 45-minute dinner. But... Uh, the thing I want to say about the difference between me being a Cub fan and other Cub fans, and it occurred to me yesterday while I was watching the Cubs stink on ice yesterday, the Cub fans, they make, they're, they're like hero worshippers. Sox, that's, that's, that's flattering Sox, them. Sox fans, they're fans. I mean, they love Pauly. They love Burley. They love... You know, big skirt. They love everybody. No, they don't love everybody. They like good players. They yeah. don't like bad players. But <laughs> no, no. But hear me out. Like that piece of shit uh, uh, Mike North used to say. Sox fans don't go out and spend money to watch a bad product. No, they won't. Cub fans. Bob Newhart used to say, forty years ago, 
you can be 15 games out in August and you still fucking fill the fucking place. For sure. Because Cub fans have this sick feeling of hope or something. But Cub fans make heroes. They don't, they don't know baseball. That's why You know, I used to go with, with one of my exes. You know, she has season tickets that she shared with her ex. We go to a lot of games. And it would fucking just... I just wanted to, like, go on a killing spree. Because when I see people wearing Sammy Sosa jerseys, when I see people wearing Mark Pryor jerseys, it's like, what the f- How do you fucking leave the house wearing that fucking shit? Cub fans like heroes. They don't want fucking trophies. They want heroes. Sox fans want trophies. And they don't give a fuck who you are, where you come from, or what you do. So that's where I separate myself from. I, I like the game. I love the game. I love the Cubs. But Cub fans that have the starry-eyed notion, they, they want heroes. They want knights in shining armor to save the day. They don't want to win a World Series. They just want someone to win the fucking game. And, and it, it's, it's just bullshit. I just, I, I, I'm a Cub fan that hates Cub fans. I'm a Cub <laughs> fan that loves Wrigley Field, but I hate being there because I'm surrounded by fucking idiots. I'd hate it. I, I mean, I will not disagree with much of what you said. I love the Cubs and I love Wrigley Field enough for me to tolerate a lot of the douchebaggery that you well, see. Well, you have to understand, when I was a kid, I had to listen to Jack Brickhouse. And if oh, that's if that's God. not enough to put you in a fucking coma when you're 10 years old... Maybe... I, Bruce, you got to tell her about caddying for fucking Jack. I, well, that's a... I don't... That, well, confess. That, I don't want to hog time with this shit. But, no, I took care of him very nicely. I'm still, though, every time I walk by that statue by the I tribute... Piss, I want to piss I'm thinking it. of all some type of chemical... Where I could just deface it or something, where I wouldn't be caught. Because I'm sure breadcrumbs on it to draw more pigeons to shit on it. But he is what he is a truly Brickhouse was a racist fucking piece of shit. Well, forget that part. I mean, just forget that. The motherfucker is one of the cheapest son of a bitches that ever lived. I can't eat for him twice. And the second time, he had this kangaroo bag. The second time, I with the candy master said he was laughing because he he, I thought, oh hell, I'll candy for try. So the guy stiffs me. He works. I take. I walk. I take his bag to the totally parking lot. Totally stitches. Zero zero. Zero wow. zero. So I carry his bag. To the guy. He's like, oh, ho, 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 well, lad, you did a fine job. I look up this tub of fucking flaccid <laughs> shit with about six chins. I go, oh motherfucker! Oh really? Really? I'm a good boy. No, I'm not a good boy. So next time he comes out there, about a month later, I ask the because the candy master laughed at me. He says, "Hey, you snipped you, didn't he?" I motherfucker, yeah. So next time he comes out, I say, hey, I want to carry for him. Well, no, you know what? No, no, no I really do. I, I, I like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the 17th hole at Hinsdale Country Club, you, it's a four candy hole. You, you go down to the, about where the drives are, are, are supposed to land, and you're just four caddying. So I took out a little pocket knife, and I carved into his cam, uh, kangaroo bag. Cheap fuck. I t- real deep. Real fucking deep. So I carry the bag out the car. He stiffs me again, the whole thing. Two days later, the game master said, Bruce, (laughs) you didn't write something on Mr. Brickhouse's bag. I said, of course not. (laughs) Sir, you cut me to the quick. So get this. Years later, I'm sitting in the bar at the Four Seasons, and some guys around a couple stools away are talking about um, they were caddies at Beverly. The guys were a little younger than me, but... And um, they said, Jack Brickhouse was, so I said, 
excuse me, gentlemen, you mentioned Jack Brickhouse and candy. <laughs> I said, did you still have his kangaroo bag? And he said, yeah, and you know what? I said, oh, no, let me tell you what was written on it, because I wrote it. <laughs> I said, yeah, we couldn't believe he still, I mean, wouldn't you That's get how chief of fuck he is. He wouldn't buy a new he bag. He wouldn't buy a new bag. Unless WG had paid for it. Hey, 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 hey. Okay. Let's lose The thing two. that was worse about it was in those days, watching him on TV, there was no second guy in the booth. It was just all Jack all day. He was yeah. in the fucking booth alone, and it, it, was, it was fucking brutal. And I used to have this uh, Sox fan friend of mine from the Burbs. He was like 14 years my senior. He died like two weeks after Marky did. But uh, he said, you know, you Cub fans... You know, before they got the lights, he says, you know, you always tell a Cub fan because they don't have suntans because they're inside watching day baseball. But when the Cubs got their lights, my sister was working at uh, Harry Carey's at the time. So I was there for the opening first light party, which typical of the Cubs, it was a fucking rain out. But, I mean, you know, Geraldo Rivera was there. Uh, oh, God, uh, that would be my uh, dream. What's his name? Dreesen was there. I was upstairs in this, like, party room, and I was on WGN TV. I was hanging with uh, Robert Jordan, the guy yeah, from yeah, yeah. WGN. Really, really nice guy. But my sister was running the bar upstairs, so she's like, you know, come down and hang out upstairs. And I'm like, yeah, why not? And uh, so the, he's like, hey, you want to be on TV? And I'm like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. And, you know, it's like, here. <laughs> This uh, this Wednesday is the 30th anniversary of lights. Eight eight eighty eight. Do you know what the, you know? Do you know the story about the lights? What do you mean? Cubs are the last team. Yeah. To ever have lights. Sox were the first team to have lights. The Sox got their lights from the Cubs because Wrigley bought the lights. Oh yes. And it was a World War II, you know, donate, you know, medals, and he, and he never put them up. He ended up selling them to, uh, what, was, was Bill Vec donating them back then? Bill Ve- well, I'll yeah, tell you Bill one Vec. thing. Bill Vec donated their, the lights to the Downers Grove um, athletic field. They, they really? took the, they took the um, I guess they were changing the lights, so Vec's sister lived, um, was married to a guy in Downers Grove, and I went to school with a couple of the Cravial kids, but it, um, his, he actually stayed out as, at... Um, well, you know, it was funny because he used to watch a Cub game, and Bill Vec would be there with a glass of beer or a cup of beer oh, he's out in, the bleachers. In, in the bleachers. But yeah. that, that's, no, no shirt, brown, like, corduroys cut off. He it just, wasn't attractive. Plus, he had the wooden leg yeah. where he put where he keep his cigarette. <laughs> that was a cigarette ashtray. <laughs> But he, yeah, actually, was <laughs> like, a boot, like a bootlegger. He was a pretty nice. He was actually a pretty nice guy. Well, wasn't he the guy? Wasn't he the guy that uh, he had uh, that pinch hitter that was a the midget? midget. Yeah, you Eddie Goodell. Smaller strike zone. Eddie Goodell was about two feet tall, <laughs> and he brings him as a pinch hitter. It was hilarious. <laughs> and he had a little tiny kid's bat, and uh, he was always doing shit but like you know, that. You know, it's the opposite of that is uh, Big Skirt, uh, Frank Thomas. I mean, the guy's a mountain of a man. I mean, the guy's got a strike zone as big as I am. He's got an ass as big as I am. He, he fucking uh, led the team record for, like, the most walks. It's like, how do you have a strike zone that big and, and walk the guy that many times? Well, then he, couldn't, then he couldn't lay off the low outside pitch. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, when they made him a DH, that's what killed him because he always had better numbers when he was playing oh, yeah. first. Yeah, he threw like a girl. Are you are you are you much of a sportsman, Kevin? Or um, I don't, 
my dad and my brother both played baseball. And um, But you're more of a writer intellectual. Um, I'm more of a drunkard intellectual, <laughs> I guess. Would be my kind of guy. That's yeah. why you fit right in. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Bruce, what? do you still, uh, like... Keep up with the socks. No. You sit there. No, no nothing. Bruce, yeah. Bruce hasn't watched a baseball game in probably three years. Oh, no, oh no, all contrary. Oh fuck! Here I, we go. I watch whenever the uh-huh. Cubs get into the playoffs or the World Series, and I root my little heart out that that a meteor will hit the field and kill Shit every ass. one of the fucking players. But no, I do. I, I and and I notice like um, Hawkeye, who's spo- first of all, is a fake. Fan, and he's from the south side, which makes it worse. But he won't even look up at that, you know, when, when the Cubs are playing in the playoffs and shit like that. You didn't watch any of the World Series? I watched. 2016? Yeah, I watched. Well, Series. You, you want to hear a, a I watch na- a minute. You want to hear a nasty story? Of, I used to. I could tell you every player on the Cubs. I'll tell you every player on the Cubs in 1951. I'll give you the whole line by line. I can okay, tell you everything. My question was about the 2016 World Series. Fuck, I, As a Cub fan? I, I was watching the World Series, I and I, when it came down to like, I watched. When it came down to like the game, yeah, I was still living. Game uh, seven. I was still living in, uh, and thank God it was on the road. It was in Cleveland because yeah. I always said, you know, if some terrorist went into the Vatican and shot the Pope and all the Cardinals, and the Cubs won the World Series the same day. The Pope killing would be page two. The Cubs would be page one. You know what my favorite Cub game? But the Bartman game. That was uh, my all-time so favorite evil. game. Didn't leave the poor I Bruce lives for Schadenfreude. So, yeah, exactly. Schadenfreude was, is his oxygen. I was sitting in here watching the Jesus game with Christ. Arthur and all the Cub fans, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking, oh, my God. These pieces of shit are getting into the world series. And you know who is sitting I have to deal with these people, but guess what? A guy named Bartman reaches out there, and like any other fan would do, but now that's that's because that, they know how to lose. Scapegoat. Two centuries of losing. There's Whatever. not. There's we not won an accident. But there's you know, the finally, fun- yeah. The funny thing is, but though, by the way, we all know who the World Series MVP was, don't we? You know what? When when I was at the driving range, and the Cub player who. I respect enough to remain anonymous told the reason they won the World Series was because when they saw me on Anthony Bourdain saying that a perfect day for a Sox fan was be for the Sox to win, the Cubs to lose, and then the Cubs plane yeah. crash. So they all so so mad. During during the rain delay, that was uh, Jason so, Hayward's speech to yeah. the team in the so, clubhouse. It's like, so did what, you guys see Bruce on Anthony Bourdain? They said, "Come on, motherfuckers, let's get it together." They said, "Jesus fucking let's Christ, win one for the genius." Let's win one for the fucking genius. Let's win one for the genius. Alehouse, Alehouse, so Alehouse. I take let's full go. credit for that. Oh, I love it. I love it. You mean there wasn't a kid in a hospital bed that said, genius, can't you, can't you, can't you win the yeah. game for me? <laughs> yeah, Bruce stepped up to the plate and he pointed at Walgreens and, you know. But the funny thing is, is I've been waiting for this thing my whole fucking life. My dad came all the way from Ireland waiting for this thing his whole fucking life. Yeah. There was that fucking rain delay. Guess who fell asleep? You're no, shitting me. I fell asleep and I woke up after it was over and I saw the, the finish of the game in the newsroom. What in the hell? No, I, I, I think we can explain asleep. this. I, I, oh, I, you don't I, fall asleep. No, no, no. Hold, hear you me You could have been up for three weeks hey, straight and you, you don't have, fall asleep I, game I seven? Purposely, I purposely stayed home because... 16 rum and cokes. I think you fall asleep. <laughs> no, it was scotch. But Six I purposely yeah. stayed home 
because I didn't walk around like when the Bulls first won, you know, burning cab, taxi cabs and police cars turned over. I stayed home to watch the fucking game. Win or lose, something was going to happen. So I thought it'd be safer. Oh, gee, that's safe. But there was like, a, what, it was a 40, 45-minute rain delay? Something like that. Well, I dozed off. And then I woke up and I well, said, holy fuck. Well, that I mean, at least you scotch. woke up. A, at least you woke up. <laughs> and B. That's, that's always a good yeah. one. That's a positive. And B, you woke up to having the Cubs be the World Series champions. Well, yeah. Enough, enough. And you know what I said? Yay. <laughs> uh, uh, that was pretty much it. Enough of the fucking Cubs. The most well, then what do you want to talk about? I would like to talk about writing. I'll say this. To I would finish like to up talk the about Cubs, writing. To finish up with the Cubs, I'll say this. Javier Baez is the most entertaining Amazing. baseball player I've ever seen when in my fucking catch life. Why don't they find out about the steroids? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Bruce wants to talk about writing, and I've got a bone to pick with Liz Oh, here. boy. Let's hear yeah. it. I think a coloring book of the Ale House is a terrible idea. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. I am I am so sick of adult men and women in this society who can't behave like adult men and women. Agreed. When I hear about 30-something women sitting around drinking Chardonnay and coloring in books, I want to go out of my mind. I it's even worse for they men. Do that? They do Adult that? coloring books are huge. They're on the bestseller list. So God forbid we make something that will sell. Well, you remember... Oh, no, I was going to... I would not leave you in the lurch here. Remember in what the I 80s, you walk into a restaurant where there were those white... You know, paper yeah. things, and they'd leave a fucking few crayons so you can write while you're waiting for bad service. You can like draw little pictures while you're waiting 20 minutes for a fucking Manhattan. But we grew out of that buzzkill. We're not 10 <laughs> years old anymore. Well, so I, my, I, I was 30, but. My idea for the 30th anniversary would be a book club where Bruce puts down books that he thinks every alehouse regular should read and know. That's a real tall order. Well, first of all, that's a, that's a fantasy. You're asking, because you're asking a bunch of alcoholics to read to, a book. To read a book, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big ask. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's huge. I mean, in theory, but I mean, I mean, I can't even get our little audio-visual girl here that I'm looking right directly across at. I mean, so do what? Sometimes, read a book. Sometimes Arthur would come, I read sometimes Arthur would come read. by the bar with his groceries, and this is about as far as he can make it. And Arthur, he always talked like a... Bugs Bunny type gangster. He'd listen to you, and Arthur would say, uh, "Listen, you. I want you to take my groceries home with me, and I'd, I'd help him take his six, groceries home." And he said, "I, you know, I tell this redheaded slut to, you know, buy you a couple of drinks when you get back." But you go to Arthur's place when you walk in the foyer, floor to ceiling books. His whole house was books, books, books. And he say, "I want you to read this, and I also want you to read this." And he gave me books to read. And, uh, Took a crack at it, but he gave me. Yeah. Who's that? That uh, nautical guy. He, you know, Hornblower, Captain. Uh, oh, Ian Forrester. Yeah. And I, I made it like three chapters, and I came back in. I was like, Arthur, <laughs> well, it's, it's just not. Re- it's customer. not giving me. But well, I, I took a shot at it. But the well, issue that uh, Bruce and I have is that I just like to read different stuff, and it's like music. I like classical music. I listen to it every morning. But I also pepper my stuff with a bunch of different kinds oh, of music. With a bunch of crap. Same. So, so what, what I would like to ask Kevin, because he's an extremely good writer, and um, I would like to ask him who his favorite, uh, first of all, his all-time writers and his favorite uh, contemporary. Contemporary meaning like 20th century or like yeah. today, today? No, no, 20, uh, yeah. 20. 20th century Raymond Chandler, for one. James Bal James Baldwin probably tied for number one. Really? On that, yeah. 
He all, kept, by the way, came in here one night. He did? Yeah. Well, he, yeah. Tell yeah. me about that. Well, no, I wasn't. I mean, oh. Arthur. He knew Arthur. Oh, okay. I mean, Arthur. There was a picture of him in here, too, somewhere. Somebody has a picture. Um, Dawn Powell. It's D A W N Powell. is a woman, a mid century writer. Just brilliant, kind of. Um, Never heard of her. Yeah, she's great. Um, so, those are probably my favorite 20th century writers. I mean, all time writers Shakespeare, Dickens, the usual, Trollope. Um, Trollope is so good. Yeah. Um, plus, he has the best name, Trollope. <laughs> have, you, have you ever read Ludwig Bemelman's? Yes, you recommended that to me, and yeah. um, it was Grand Hotel. What was the title? Hotel Imperial. Hotel Splendid. Hotel Bemelman's. Right. Yeah. yeah. But Hotel Splendid probably is best. Used to write for the New Yorker. There was a copy in the New Orleans Public Library that had not been checked out since 1973. And I got it. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's great. You know, I, I lived, um, uh, Toby Gracie and I moved to Benton Harbor, St. Joe, Michigan in about 19... Let's see, Gracie was about four or five. So we've been in like 88, something like that. And it was like, uh, it, like it was like a bomb, downtown Benton Harbor. It was just like a bombed out zone. But I went to the library. I was started reading P.J. Woodhouse. Mm. So I went to the I went to the library. They had very nice libraries, and these two very nice old white ladies were in there, and uh, hardly anybody else was in the in the library. So I checked out. I looked at at this would have been like 1988. I looked at the dates the last time these books were checked out. They were all like 1968. That was it. Wow. I mean, there was all the checkouts, and then white flight, and that was the end. And um, how do you like Wood? How do you like PJ Woodhouse? I love PJ Woodhouse. Yeah, and I, I did just kind of did light farce. Um, if you like him, you might check out a contemporary writer named Joe Keenan. K-E-E-N-A-N. I've heard, I've heard of him. Yeah. He's got three novels out, but he wrote the best episodes of Frasier. I mean, he's just got that kind of slamming door French forest thing down. Now, that 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 reference alone yeah. is why I would read that book. Yeah. Because yeah. Frasier's got to be one of the best sitcoms ever. Yeah. And the guy was a fucking oh. Republican, so oh, I... Oh, God. You know what? We all have our faults. Oh, fault? You call that a fault? Kelsey Grammer is a real scumbag. But, no, Frasier, <laughs> Frasier was funny. I admit that. John Mahoney, yeah. Chicago's very own, yeah. phenomenal. By, by the way, I was going to ask you something. Uh, did you ever catch Brian Dennehy in here? Yes, of course. I, I've seen him like several times fact, at the I'll Goodman. Tell you, let me tell you. My yeah. ex used to have uh, season tickets to uh, the Goodman. I've seen so many. I love the Goodman. But he, he hung around O'Rourke's. He's maybe. a really great. In fact, when when O'Rourke's had to move, apparently he he laid on some dough when they moved. Oh, really? The yeah, but. Um, then he, I, I, so one night I'm in Rourke's when it's moved over to Halstead Street. I hadn't seen him in quite a few years. What, what year is this? Uh, when they moved over there, let's see, I would say probably in the uh, early 90s or something like that. And so I'm sitting at the bar, and you never knew. You, a lot of celebrities from... Um, He's kind of a Wolf, big guy. Step, I mean, very big. Yeah. But a lot of people from Steppenwolf would come in there. And he, he comes in... With his daughter and this actor named Ron Dean, he, he was a local guy, he used to drive a horse carriage and worked his way up, so he did some big movies. And um, he was completely shit-faced. But Denny, he wasn't drinking. So now, every time I ever saw Denny, he was pretty much shit-faced. So I had just looked, you know, I just said, hey, how you doing? I'm from the old Overlord, so, oh, I'm doing fine. And um, I mentioned some 
play, I'd see him, man. He said, oh, yeah, he used to be very nice. I said, you're not drinking, huh? He said, I'll tell you why I'm not drinking. He said, when you wake up in the morning and you tiptoe out to your car to see if there's any blood in front of your car, <laughs> it's Young. time to stop drinking. Do but, you know how but, many times I've made that walk? But somebody, but you somebody, and Caitlyn Jenner, my friend. <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner, yeah. I wonder if we haven't heard look at about my, my old 1980s Chevette, and it's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I haven't heard of Caitlyn's um, comments on, you know, she voted for Trump. It voted for Trump. Oh, and um, <laughs> it uh, was a little disappointed about the transgen- throwing the transgenders out of the service. So, uh, Caitlyn must. I, I had a little bit of an incident with uh, Bruce Denner at uh, a, a Bulls, uh, uh, not a Bulls game, a um, Golden State War. In fact, it was when I was, I was making fun, I was insulting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And why, he, the, why the fuck would you insult Kareem? Because I had a bet on the other team. Because he's a moron. I was that asshole. <laughs> it's, I mean, he's a moron. Yeah. I was betting on the Warriors that night. But I also... Fucking degenerate. I made some Muslim remark. <laughs> of course you did. Oh, no. No, he gave me the finger. No, he gave me the finger. That's I was, not very I was, Islamish. I was, I was heckling him. He, I, he gave me the finger. I said, that's not very nice for the Muslim. And he, he said, kiss my ass. So I said, I would if I could reach that high. And so now all the guys on the Gail Goodrich laughed. I mean, the guys, they all laughed. I always hated Gail Goodrich. But... But when he said, kiss my ass, Bruce Jenner, who's sitting in the, uh, right, right in front of me, because I was in the second row, he's on the first row. And he said, he told you, didn't he? Hey, I said, hey, asshole, I bet you I could pole vault higher than you. Of course, I couldn't even get close to it. And he's just so stunned. Stunned. Yeah. I could pole vault higher than you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. All right, well, um... We need to wrap this up. So, uh, Kevin, yeah, where can people find your stuff? Uh, they can find it at uh, best place to find me is on Twitter, and it's at Kevin Allman, K E V I N A L L M A N. And um, what was the title of your book, Skip? Uh, um, the one I was not, I was nominated for the Edgar Award for Tight Shot, and then the sequel was called Hot Shot, and then they stopped paying me money, and I stopped writing. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. See. I, I, that didn't stop me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm there, and I'm also the editor of the Alt Weekly in New Orleans. It's like the Chicago Reader of New Orleans. It's called the Gambit. And, uh, and uh, you can find Buzzkill, you, you can, can find, find me on uh, Facebook or on the the curb out front. <laughs> <laughs> when are you, you? When are you usually at the bar? Uh, uh, normally Sundays. Um, Early. Yeah, I'm here like noonish. Although this year it's going to be really weird because I was hoping uh, that as much as I complain about the Bears that they'd lose this fucking kneeling shit, but uh, this is the year I have to boycott the NFL. And I, I encourage everybody to boycott because the of the kneeling thing. Pardon? Because of the kneeling thing? Yeah. Well, because of, no, no, not because they kneel, because of the prohibition. Oh, the prohibition. Yeah. Okay. Just, okay. You know the, the, and you know, fuck the uh, players' association for not taking a stronger pose. I mean, hey, I'm a lifetime hey, union guy, hey, and fuck them. Hey, look, look, Mr. Kane, 
Those guys are making 10, 15 million bucks a year. You want them to fuck that up? Well, it's not, it's, you know, now that you bring it up, it's not really a fucking union. It's more of a cartel. For 15 million a you know, year, like I'll there's spread a pay, my ass cheeks like on the 50 year old. It's not like there's a fucking pay scale <laughs> for a middle and linebacker. I'll say God bless America while I'm spreading my ass cheeks. Bruce, for 15 million. In fact, you can put a goddamn flag up my ass. I'll, 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 would, I'll, I'll, Bruce, would you put Donald Trump's dick up your ass for $15 million? Yeah. Okay. I put anything. Yeah, that write a blog about it. I I blog. I couldn't get it up. I, I put, tried to get up my ass, but he couldn't get it up. I put Bruce up my ass for fifteen million dollars. <laughs> I don't think I need fifteen mil either. Would you go? How about thirty Bruce, or forty would bucks? You, would you go up Buzzkill's ass for fifteen million dollars? I'll do. I'll go up Buzzkill's ass for a mil. Wow, I, just one. Today. <laughs> But All right, after I, this podcast, everybody. I do need to come back, because I just read your brilliant book, California Jailbreak. And one topic that was not addressed in that was gay sex in prison. And I need to know more about that, but I'm hoping I can come back on the show and ask you about that when I'm here next month. Oh, absolutely. He's okay, got lots great. of stories. <laughs> great. Lots Good. of stories. Good. All right, well, uh, Kevin Buzzkill, thank you so much for thank joining you. us. Thanks for week. having us. May, uh, may I thank uh, Rock and Roll Ruth for, for being a great executive producer and getting and us it, beer. And it very young nice, Jordan uh, here. Jordan, you're a handsome young man. Do you have a girlfriend, a boyfriend? Are you on the market? Or He's taken. He's he has taken. a girlfriend. Okay, he's blushing. I was just going to say you can come down on Monday nights and pick up on Jordan if you did, wanted uh, to. Well, did, you, did you guys, having heard so much of us talk about Jordan, does, is he everything you thought I, he would I, be? I think Air Jordan is a very enterprising <laughs> uh, young man. We should call him Air Jordan. <laughs> because by the way, I like we, we are on the air. I like how sense, he right? stuck up for um, LeBron James today. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, that, that, that was a tough road to hoe, wasn't it? Right, right. Uh, Rock and Roll Ruth, thank you, as always, for you. keeping us hydrated. And by the way, thank you for showing up. I was busy today. Oh, um, but you were busy last yeah. night, too. Uh, Jordan, By, by about 7.35, it was a coin toss. Yeah. <laughs> I had to, uh, my meeting ran late, and then I had to walk from downtown. Cause Your of the AA bus. meeting? Yeah, yeah. You're, talk, you're talking about labor to Bruce. Let's, let's, let's just start there. No, no. Let's, um, let's re-examine the whole paradigm People who here. can drink and people who can't drink. Yeah, there's lots of those out there. But you know, we're know, professionals in the alehouse. You know who he asked me when he came here? What? How many have you had? You going to be all right to do this? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Motherfucker. I fucking open this bar and I close this bar. What are you guys drinking? Yeah. I'm always day. curious to know what you're drinking. Uh, rum and Coke. And Kevin? Which uh, he, used to do, he, he used to do a song. Him and Amory used to do a song, rum and Coca-Cola, and they do this like conga shit. Yeah. And fuck great. with me. Oh, yeah. Too bad we all have Like I here. gave a fuck. We got to add a conga song to the album. So what's your drink, Kevin? Uh, right now it's Anchor Steam, just because they're out of what I normally drink oh. up there. So. Which is? Well, you know, Randy was here this morning to clear the beer line, so you got the best draft beer in the city. Oh, excellent. Good, good, good. Because the alehouse is always on the motherfucker. Yeah, it's yeah. very important for people to know. That ought, uh, to, be a lot the, of, a that lot ought of... to be the new slogan of the alehouse. Old Town Ale House, we're on the motherfucker. No, the Old Town Ale House, the customer's always wrong. One, one thing that people always immediately assume about dive bars, which, by the way, I don't think this is a dive bar. Um, no, it's is a neighborhood saloon. It's too clean to be a bar. It's an old uh, man bar. Yeah, is that um, <laughs> a lot of draft lines don't get clean, but they get cleaned here every two weeks. And, and it's only about an eight-foot run. I mean, the, the yeah, cooler is so, directly below the So rest assured, everyone, your, your beer is... Top-notch quality. Absolutely. Um, Jordan, thanks for everything. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, say goodnight, genius. Goodnight, genius. We'll see y'all next week.